Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Sometimes dropping out of college seems like the right thing to do. That's how it seemed, at least at the time, to Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs, Brian Williams, Carl Bernstein, Michael Dell. It also seemed that way for Edwin Land. Land was itching to change the world, to do science experiments, to be free from other people's orders. He moved to New York. He traipsed around. He actually sometimes broke into Columbia University's laboratories. Land finally did go back to school, but it never turned him into a follow-the-rules kind of guy. If you don't know his name, you almost certainly know the company he started, a company that tried to understand how light worked and that came up with a product that, frankly, at the time, seemed magical. 60-second photography is the most exciting kind of photography around today, and once you've used a Polaroid land camera, believe me, you'll know that nothing else beats the fun and excitement of taking a picture one minute and seeing it the next. That's TV host Steve Allen doing a paid Polaroid spot on his late-night show. I guess our minute's about up. But I did you something. We each had a Polaroid camera on an airplane the other day, uh-huh. and we kept taking pictures of the flight and the people on the trip, and it was just wonderful. Did I come out like a singer or something? See, I'll show the folks there. That's good. Not pretty? <laughs> That's me. That's you. Land came up with the idea for the Polaroid camera actually his daughter did, on a family outing during World War II. Here's how he later remembered it. And my daughter, who was about this big, then said, Daddy, why can't I see the picture right away? It was in those marvelous Santa Fe days with the snow on the inch of snow and sunlight. You walk around your short sleeves, and I went for a walk. By the time I came back, I pretty much conceptualized the total system and laid the plan of action for the subsequent years. When Land returned from Santa Fe, he talked to a colleague named Frederick Binda. Binda wrote about their dramatic encounter in a document that's now on display in the library of Harvard Business School, which is where I went to see it. This is what it said. On December 13, 1943, Mr. E.H. Land called me to one side and said he had a secret to tell me. He said that for years he had been toying with the idea and dreaming about a new photographic camera in which you simply photograph a subject and from that same camera roll out a finished picture. He told me that he now knew how to make such a camera. Before disclosing his idea to me, he asked me to think about it and see if I could figure out the solution to the problem. Which is great. (laughs) I'll tell you. But not yet. (laughs) What Land created, because his daughter asked for it, changed science, business, and pop culture. Ron Feirstein has written about the rise of Polaroid in A Triumph of Genius, Edwin Land, Polaroid, and the Kodak Patent War. Ron, thanks for your time. Hi, Kara. So talk a little bit about um, Land as a person. Like, why do you think he came up with something so game-changing that nobody else had yet come up with it. Well, Land was a natural inventor. Land was someone who was happiest when he was in a laboratory trying to solve an unsolvable problem, or at least a problem that most uh, mortals would consider unsolvable. When he was a young teenager at a summer camp, was in an almost in an accident on a horse-drawn carriage where a car came and almost hit the uh, carriage Mm. because there were no lights on the carriage. Mm. Long story short, he decided that it would be very useful to find a substance that would take the 
glare out of bright light. Mm. And he started to do research, you know, in his teens on this subject. And he quickly found out that scientists had known about a substance that they called a polarizer that could do that. But the only natural substances around that uh, had that property were big crystals, big rocks that could take the glare out of bright light. Totally impractical. And the best physicists in the world had been looking for a more practical substance for hundreds of years. And Land dedicated his uh, early years to that. And in fact, uh, you mentioned earlier about dropping out of college. Well, he enrolled in Harvard and at the end of the first year, went home to his father and said, you know, Dad, I'm dropping out because I want to continue my experiments. And not only that, but can you give me what the equivalent of $50,000 to do those experiments. <laughs> sure. I'm sure his dad was thrilled. That sounds like a great deal. Well, the interesting thing about it, and this also had huge implications for the rest of his career, his dad said, okay. Hmm. His dad was not so concerned about his son dropping out or hmm. about the money. His dad was concerned that when Edwin solved the problem, some big corporation would come along and steal it from him. Really? His father was concerned, like, was worried about the issue of protecting what you come up with. Exactly. And so that was the deal they struck. Edwin was permitted to drop out of Harvard. He was given the money, but on condition that he he would immediately seek protection. And that's what he did. He uh, actually came up with the first practical polarizing filter, a very thin sheet of plastic with crystals embedded into it. He came up with that in the late 20s. And so when you see polarized sunglasses, that's the thin plastic material that Land invented when he was 19 years old and started his career. Let's talk a little bit more about him as a person because he was a really interesting kind of CEO star in a time before I think we think about CEO stars. Like he was a Steve Jobs, an Elon Musk, a Bill Gates in an era where I don't think most CEOs were those kinds of stars. What was it about him that made him that star type person? He was like the Steve Wozniak and the Steve Jobs. He was the marketing and the brains behind the operation. Well, that that's true, and and it's an interesting thing because he had a bit of a dichotomy. On the one hand, he was a very shy guy who um, was really a reclusive in many ways, but on the other hand, when it came to his work and it came to sharing his uh, newest invention with the, the world, he became a tremendous showman, or even for business, he became a tremendous showman. There's a, there's a great story about once he developed this thin polarizing piece of plastic, he wanted to sell it to a company called American Optical, who he thought could make sunglasses from it. Mm-hmm. So Land found himself in Boston. He was at the Copley Plaza Hotel, and he rented a room, and when he went in there, he walked into the lobby holding a goldfish bowl and a manila envelope. And he walks up to the clerk. He says, I want to rent a room. I want your hottest room. This is days before air conditioning. I want direct sunlight coming into this room. The clerk looked on. You can have the whole side of the hotel if you'd like. He goes up there. He places the fish bowl on the sill with the glare of the light coming right in. Knock, knock on the door. The the representative of American Optical comes in. He says, hi, I'm Edwin Land. Uh, points over to the window and says, how do you like my goldfish? And the the guy looks at it and says, what goldfish? Land pulls out the thin sheet of plastic, of polarizer, holds it in front of the fishbowl, voila, the goldfish. And 
the deal followed very shortly thereafter. And that started him on this career of, of being a showman when it right. came time to uh, share his products with the world. Right, this kind of flair for the dramatic. Big flair. And, yeah. and one, as you pointed out, that Steve Jobs adopted completely. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs idolized Land. In fact, Steve Jobs really modeled his career after Land. Well, and Land also foreshadowed uh, kind of the tech world as we think of it today. Like, he he tried to make um, his company fun for employees. There was, like, this cartoon newsletter that would go around the office. There were sports teams. And I, I think um, he bought the idea that a happier employee was maybe a more creative employee. Absolutely. And he also was very much into, and this is a, another big parallel with Steve Jobs, he was completely into the aesthetics of his products, and really on two levels. One, on how they looked and how they felt. For example, the SX-70 camera that came out in 1972, which was the first one that would just shoot out of the camera and develop in your hand so that you didn't have to do anything else to it, like you know, time it or peel it apart mm. or treat it with a chemical. Mm. When that one came out, he insisted on the first model being covered with leather and come in this leather case. I mean, really raised the price of the product, but he wanted it to look a certain way. And in fact, all of his economics guys, his business cohorts were telling him that, okay, you can have that high-end model, but you've got to produce one made out of plastic right? because it'll be much cheaper and a lot more people can buy it. And in the photography business, it's sort of like, you know, razor blades and computer printers. The the money is in the blades and the ink uh, rather than the machine. Well, in photography, to some extent, the money is in the film rather than the camera. So the the more cameras you get out there, the more film you're going to sell. But he resisted that. He, For years and years, he would not allow Polaroid to produce a cheaper-looking plastic model camera. So he was very much into the aesthetics, as, of course, Steve Jobs was. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller talking with Ron Fierstein, author of the book A Triumph of Genius, Edwin Land, Polaroid, and the Kodak Patent War. So... Uh, You're a lawyer. Uh, You were part of this epic case involving Polaroid and Kodak. And you call it, as I said in the title, a war for good reason. This was a battle over who owned instant photography and who had stolen it from who. Um, In simplest terms, for those of us who are not lawyers, what was the dispute between Polaroid and Kodak about? So it was determined very quickly when Kodak came out uh, with their product in 1976 that within its system, which worked a little bit differently and looked a little different, that it employed uh, a number of Polaroid inventions, the arrangement of the film format, the uh, mechanism for shooting the film unit out of the camera, a chemical layer inside the film unit that stabilized the picture even though you know it never really dried out and so on and so forth. These were very individual inventions. Hmm. And so Polaroid sued Kodak uh, for infringing its patents on those particular inventions. And that was litigated over a long period of time and determined ultimately and uh, uh, by the court that uh, Kodak had indeed infringed Polaroid's patents. Uh, at the end of the day, Kodak had to pay nearly a billion dollars in wow. damages, um, which stood as the record until last year. Again, this was uh, by the time the, the judgment was rendered, uh, this was the early 90s. Um, so it was almost a billion dollars back then. And not only that, even more importantly, Kodak had to get out of the business. 
they had they were enjoined from further infringement, which meant they had to take all their cameras and film out of the stores. Really, the judge said, "You're out of instant photography." See you later, Kodak. That's right. Really? And even though Kodak said, we have, there are 13 million Americans out there who have our cameras, right. you're going to tell them they can't have film anymore? And the judge said, absolutely. And it's not my doing, it's yours. You know, one, one of the real ironies is that all the work on digital photography, the early work was done in the Kodak labs, but they, they ignored it. And they did not pursue it because they were so invested in conventional photography, you know, film and all that. And uh, by the time they woke up, it was too late. And by the time Polaroid woke up, that instant photography was moving on and uh, other technologies had replaced it. It was too late for them to reinvent themselves. There's a similar story about Motorola, which did some really pioneering work on touchscreen phones. But the researchers came to executives and executives said, people don't want touchscreen phones. That'll never take off. We're doing great. We're number one. Um, You know, sort of go back to where you came from. Like, we're just going to keep plowing ahead and didn't really, you know, as it turned out, people did want touchscreen phones. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting. And this is this goes back to uh, what we were discussing earlier about the relationship between jobs and land. I think this is probably the biggest thing that Jobs inherited from land. And it's an interesting story. When Essex 70 came out, and it really was a big deal at the time. It was on the cover of every magazine and, you know, headlines around the world. You played some audio about that earlier. Well, journalists went to land and they said, you know, Dr. Land, how much research, marketing research, did you do before you invested all of your company's money in developing this camera and film. I mean, how, how, how much research did you do? And Land said, what, are you kidding me? We did none. We don't do research. It's not our job to give people what they want. It's our job to give people what they can't even imagine. Hmm. And if that sounds familiar, like something that Steve Jobs said, yeah, it does. It's it does. not again a uh, a coincidence. I mean, I've heard you know Steve Jobs. I've heard Tim Cook say that Apple's whole role in life is to give you something you didn't know you wanted. Ron Fierstein is an entertainment lawyer. He's also the author of the book A Triumph of Genius: Edwin Land, Polaroid, and the Kodak Patent War. Ron, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. On our website, we've got some of the earliest pictures taken with Polaroid cameras. Many taken by Polaroid employees who just went outside and took a picture of the world around them. We've also got side-by-side comparisons of Edwin Land and Steve Jobs making presentations And you will notice that Jobs got his hands on the same rather obscure table by a Finnish designer that Land had also used. Plus, we'll have a link to the full clip of TV host Steve Allen demonstrating the wonders of Polaroid on his late night show. That's all at innovationhub.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com slash CSB1.